0: It was early, but already there was a queue for food. The pouches of pureed strawberries and raspberries were always the first to go, followed by the blueberries and apples. Think of it as space food, our leader had said when we first entered the bunker, when he'd still circulated among us. We are blessed, he had added. Nutritionists from NASA designed these meal plans to ensure we receive enough of what we need for the duration of our stay. We shuffled forward, the area cramped and at risk of overcrowding. In front of me, a mother was carrying her child, his head resting against her shoulder. His eyes drooped, opening and closing before opening again. As we took another step forward, the boy pressed further up against his mother and thrust his hand out towards me. I hesitated, glancing at his fingers before reaching out to take his hand. His childish touch was foreign to me. Mummy, he said, and the mother half turned and noticed our connection. Flustered, she made to pull away, already apologising. It's okay, I replied. He just loves holding hands. Me too. They're clean, she said. We just sanitised our hands, so you don't need to worry. I shook my head. I'm not worried. It's Baxter. That's a name. That's a nice name, I said, my eyes focusing on the child. It seemed easier to focus on him than to look at her. His fingers were damp and soft with saliva and I gripped them a little tighter. I'm Wolf, I added. I know. He gave him medicine once when he had a fever. Ah, right, yes, I remember, I said, knowing this to be a lie. How old is he? Nearly four. The bones of his little body were small, stunted and perhaps easy to break. There were no babies, no place for the elderly either, because what use were the truly vulnerable in here? Little Baxter didn't know how close he had come to not making the cut, but I imagined his mother was all too aware. I could barely remember what a child under the age of two looked like, let alone what they were capable of. And to be old, who defined those perimeters? The ages of the men in the bunker varied, possibly into their mid, even late sixties, but never the women. Certainly not the female patients I encountered in the pharmacy. None of them had the aged and dignified hands of my late grandmother or the life experience to see history repeating itself. As we reached the front of the queue, I was forced to release my grip from Baxter's hand. They were given their ration of pouches for the day, and the mother tried to plant the boy down on the ground, but he clung to her leg, wrapping his arms around her thigh. Her nostrils flared, and she hoisted him back up, balancing their pouches between elbow, arm and torso. One of his pouches faced me. It was miniature in size, and had a caricature of an elephant printed on the front. As the mother turned to leave, she ever so slightly lowered her head and bowed to the kitchen porter before offering the same gesture to the soldier keeping watch, his rifle dangling like a satchel over his shoulder. The porter was oblivious, already thrusting my three pouches across the stainless steel counter. I gathered my quota and turned away, inspecting my pureed options as I walked. There was a mango fruit pouch, a sweet potato one, and finally something described as a chicken casserole. Somehow it reminded me of being on an all-inclusive holiday. Initially, I'd felt liberated by the concept of not having to carry money. But then there was something vulgar in the way I started to behave, and my frantic consumption, as though I didn't trust the process, was anxious that it could all be taken away at a moment's notice. No one questioned what happened to the rations of those who died. But there seemed to be no redistribution, no opportunity to ask for more. Perhaps the soldiers kept them for themselves, considered their nutritional needs superior, although I had nothing to back the speculation up with. The bunker was intricately designed, the north side a supposed mirror image to the south. In the sleeping quarters there was nothing but narrow rows of bunks, stacked in columns of four. Each row was identified by a letter, each bed frame stamped with a number. I used to associate bunk beds with children, wooden frames and ladders, or cosy duvets with desks and drawers underneath for storing treasure. But these bunks were suspended rectangular metal frames, shrink-wrapped in canvas like a stretcher hinged to the walls. The blankets were a similar shade of grey to the boiler suits, made of bubbled wool, coarse to the touch. Despite this, I clung to mine, took my blankets and spare boiler suit everywhere for fear of them being stolen. Along with a toothbrush, a set of underwear and our laceless gym shoes, we possessed little else. And, like an unspoken rule, if items were left unattended, then they were game for anyone's taking. Mr and Mrs Foyer were sleeping on the bottom two bunks below me and Canavan snored above. He was a giant, too big and broad for the bunks, his feet overhanging and encroaching on my space. I'd often stare at his discoloured toenails thick and brittle with fungus. His body sagged through the canvas and I feared that one day it would give way, crushing me, and in turn, foyer and foyer.